Osiris. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Best Show Ever Pod, the podcast where I interview people about the best concert they ever saw in their life. Um, I'm your host, Cam Hurt, and this episode is a really cool one. We have got, um, from the Goose Chicks podcast, Leslie Mack, one of the more beloved hosts from the Osiris Podcast Network. Leslie's so cool. She has seen so many cool shows. She saw Fish a bunch through the 90s. She is a prolific Goose fan these days. You can catch her on the rail of almost any show. You pull up a, a video of Goose Live, you might see uh, Leslie swinging her hair in the front row. Uh, she has the coolest stories. She has seen a, a, such a cool variety of shows. We talk about, like I said, fish. We talk about goose. We talk about a whole bunch of other shows. I don't want to ruin too much. I don't want to do too much intro here. Um, sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation that I had with Leslie Mack from the Goose Chicks podcast. But first, enjoy a little bit of music from none other than Jesus and Fartfinger. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. This is the best show ever. This is the best show ever. This is the best show, the best show ever. This is the best show. The best show I ever heard. I think I have to agree. Like I said, I'm trying to get all of the beloved Osiris hosts, and I know you from Goose Chicks uh, podcast, but I almost know you better from the Goose live streams and you being front row at the Goose shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely my my jam for sure. Being up close and personal with Goose is definitely my happy place for sure. I mean, and you've seen some really good shows this summer. There's just, I mean, this summer specifically has just been fire it really has been it's been uh just every show a barn burner it was 
you know, starting with Louisville, those two nights, I literally listened to the night two Louisville so much. I just love that show. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, every show just built on each other one. And then, you know, SPAC was such a culmination of the entire summer's worth of music. It was beautiful and amazing. And um, my birthday, they played on my birthday, which was really amazing. So yeah, a lot of amazing memories from the summer tour. Um, I tried to do as much as I possibly could. So it was, it was neck break speed getting from place to place. I mean, resonance was an entire experience. I haven't fully even digested it, to be honest. It was such <laughs> an interesting place and the shows were really spectacular. So were the other acts as well. I haven't even gone through my like I shot a few shows. I shot Great Blue and a few other folks, um, Kitchen Dwellers. I haven't even gone through those photos yet. So I have a lot lot of content to start, sort through from the summer, yeah. You, um, like, just sitting back and listening to some of those those shows? Or, like, what are you listening to right now while you're waiting for more Goose shows to happen? I, I, I started just revisiting the whole summer from Louisville forward. So I was doing it in chronological order. I think I'm on... Uh, Portland, Maine right now. So I'm in the middle of that show. And so for me, when I do these re-listens, I did it with spring tour and I did it with um, winter and fall last year. I just do it in chronological order. And I just, whenever I'm doing anything that warrants music, I just go right back to pick up where I left off. And um, sometimes I go back to specific songs after I listen to a show and be like, oh, that was really good. Um, one that comes to mind, I, I keep going back to that Louisville night too, because it was just so spectacular. And the Cali magic. I don't know why something about if, if folks are listening to that show from about six minutes, 30 seconds forward, Rick's final um, solo in that song is like, it just is otherworldly. It, it just really, it hit me in my chest when I heard it live and it just continues to. So yeah, so there's a few, a few songs and a few shows like that, that I keep going back to uh, July 3rd was spectacular as well um what an experience with the fireworks and you know watching them watch the fireworks while they're playing i think it's the most i've seen rick's eyes open in a performance ever so <laughs> that was pretty really? sweet and um also was really packed i had think i've been to as packed a show as that one just in terms of the volume of people they stuffed into that that space was really um a lot yeah didn't look like a huge space, but it looked like a huge amount of people. It so. was. I mean, they said it was also seat or have like 3,500 and they sold 5,000 tickets. So it was definitely pretty packed in there. I think Pete mentions it when he comes out. I was like, wow, there's a lot of you guys in here. And also um, because it was the night of the fireworks, like local folks were more, you know, apt to be around. And so it was just really crowded. Like every balcony, every hotel balcony was full. It was just, it was just a lot, a lot going on. Yeah. What what a scene. Mm -hmm. What a scene. I, um, I had the opposite goose journey this summer where I only saw one show in the spring. So I just go back and listen to that show a hundred thousand times yeah because it's the show that i went to and i'm like i know that's gonna be me this fall i'm doing very little this fall i've just my busy time at work so that's why i hit it so hard for spring and summer knowing like yeah i'll have to take my foot off the gas a little bit and do some more couch touring um in the fall so yeah um but yeah spring and some these were just amazing you know even um ending spring tour at um, days between fast. I mean, those shows were really great. Yeah. Um, 
And it's been wonderful seeing two fests this year that were basically goose festivals, you know, where they headlined two nights in a row. And that was really unique experiences compared to last year's, you know, festy sets that were just, you know, one, one small hour and 15 minute taste of goose. I like to refer to it because definitely leaves you wanting more. I mean, the the growth for them has been like you can see it in almost every aspect of what they do, Um, like whether it's their equipment or whether it's the jams themselves, whether it's like some songs becoming better, whether it's, you know, but also in that, like just getting some headlining sets. Yeah. Massive summer. Um, Pretty cool. Um, but and also, you know, uh, couch tour isn't so bad. Just so I love know. couch touring, it's fun. I usually do like the rest of the um girls from Goose Chick Pod. We usually are all doing it together, so we're in our group chat, like you know, talking about the show. We're toying with maybe doing a couple of shows where we'll do a Zoom um during couch touring and kind of invite people to come and join us and chit chat or you know, just be there together with each other. So Look for some more on that. We've been toying with it. Just figuring out which shows make the most sense to do it. Um, Maybe Red Rocks. Although I'm going to Red Rocks, but the rest of the crew is not. So, yeah. It'd be kind of cool if you, uh, you like, zoom in from the front row. You'd be like, that's amazing. (laughs) I know. Except for I don't take my camera out at Goose shows. So it's like this this whole thing. I'm, I'm a very... People will capture it. There's plenty of photographers there, actual professionals that will capture anything needs to be captured nobody needs my two cents from the front row and i'm also just in the zone yeah i just i'm very you don't have any you have no videos no pictures i took a couple i'm trying to think even the fireworks night i took a couple of pictures during the fireworks and i try and get like one selfie of myself with my sunglasses because i like to see the band reflected in them so i'll take that one shot but other than that, no, like my birthday show, I didn't take any photos at all. There's a few before they started and a few after the show, but nothing during the show. Um, yeah, I just, I didn't even take my phone out. I was just there to experience it. So, yeah. Even even when I'm not front row, it's not like I'm like, oh, thank God I took a bunch of pictures. No. You know, like it, no. it's, to people listening, maybe adopt a little bit of Leslie's, you know. <laughs> style here because i think i think it is i mean of course you got to take a video you got to take a picture during some moments and um like there's so many videos that i have on my phone of me and then in the first three seconds you can hear me going i'm sorry i have to i'm sorry i have yeah to. yeah you're like i just <laughs> have to do this i have to do this yeah it's the true there, there's, I gotta... there's a few that there's that that just will happen i will say i tend to do more videoing at fish shows just because yeah. ck5 i mean you know, yeah. I could talk for hours about Chris Caruto, uh, but um, <laughs> just, you know, sometimes the visuals are so stunning that I just feel the need to capture them for myself just to like capture that mental memory. And there's been times where I'm glad I did. And then someone like I should have probably taken more like um, the postponed by MSG last year, you know, the whole um, Earth Day thing. So we were there and we had like perfect seats to see it all. I was so amazed. Like by the time I took my phone out to take a picture, like it was sort of in the middle of it because I, I just was so blown away I, I couldn't have even imagined something that spectacular happening and so you know fish always has the potential to just do that to you to just yes, you know do. lay you lay you flat back and just like wow I never even expected 
something like this could be conceived, much less executed at the high level that they're able to do so. Just all, yeah, all hats off because it was really amazing. All five of them, the band and CK5, just pulling off some of the coolest stuff you'll ever see. So, Um, well, you know, let's let's get into some of your best shows here. I feel like you've got some really good ones. Yeah, let's Um, go. Before before we get into like the best and the like honorable mentions i like to do the uh, your first and worst shows so what was the <laughs> the first concert you ever went to in your life the first concert i w- ever went to now i'm from new york city i grew up in brooklyn new york so this is separate from like broadway shows because like in school i have folks that are not from New York city. It's a very common thing. You get to go to like see matinees and stuff. So I'd seen things like that. But as far as a concert concert, my first concert was new kids on the block in 1988 on long Island um, in Westbury, New York. My mom took me and one of my best friends was in junior high school at the time as one would be uh, going to see new kids on the block as their first concert. It was an amazing experience. My mom had surprised us with the tickets. So we didn't, think we were going to get to see them and we were huge fans and it was just everything you think of you know of teen idol dumb and teen you know just pre-teen um screaming and you know just being so excited to see you know see them right in front of you and all of those things it's it was really just such a great first memory of a concert and um they've always and I've been a Nikas on the Block fan since since then I went to see them last year literally I try to go see them when they come to Charlotte they put on an amazing show still they're so connected with their fans and just sweet sweet people and um yeah, I've, I've had many great memories with because I'm the black. So um, it was a great first show to go to for me. We we talk about New Kids on the Block with Meg Leona a little bit too, not to spoil anything, but she also <laughs> saw uh, New Kids on the Block. And we talk about they are really like the originator of the, or they kind of paved the way for all the boy bands that are going to come through in the 90s. Like Absolutely. All, they laid the yeah. groundwork. I mean, they're their parents ran their fan club like it was very much and this is like when you had to like send a check you know to join the fan club and get the newsletter you know all of these like old tech old school type of things and so their connection with their fan is fans have really remained because they had such a solid one-to-one direct connection with folks in the foundation and so they've been able to stay on tour they do like a cruise every year that I keep threatening that I'm going to go on. Um, yeah, Man. they just really, they do it up and they do their show that they do now. Um, they usually bring like salt and pepper, naughty by nature, um, and Vogue. Um, it's usually like five acts. And so it's wall to wall music. There is no downtime and there's no opening act. They, craft the show around all of these hits that all of these acts have. And then they just like switch on stage, like literally high five each other. And it just goes from hit to hit to hit to hit. And it is so, so entertaining and so much fun. I think Rick Astley was, was there last year as well. So he got to come and do some of his hits. It was just, it's just really fun. It's a fun, fun, fun time. You just get that nostalgia overload. It like is overload. It's and literally overload. Everybody just tur- I just revert to my 13-year-old self again, like in an instant. And it's fantastic. It's gotta be crazy to see like maybe now people with kids that like went and saw new kids on the block in the 80s and like the mom and the child or like yep. whoever's there are both screaming. 
Absolutely. (laughs) And that's exactly what happens. It's so like that. And then they do so many things. Like I think the last two I've gotten like selfies with Donnie. The last show, he took my phone and took the selfie from the stage of me with him. So like, it's that level of just, they're just so open and so generous with their fans. Um, Something that I feel with Goose as well. So it's a hallmark of, you know, bands that I think um, engender a really rabid fan base. (laughs) Do that. They, (laughs) They make sure they keep those connections, you know, personal and direct and they do a good job of it. So, yeah. And I, I think Goose does such a good job of of being um, accessible. It, if anything, maybe take a page out of uh, New Kids on the Block's book. Trevor, maybe grab a phone, one of these shows. and Just a show, just a grab picture, it. Do the, do the Leslie shot where into your into your sunglasses with yes, the crowd behind with the crowd. Hey, very I cute. Mean, that would be very nice, Trevor. It would be very cute. It would be very <laughs> nice. Um, that's awesome. What about the worst concert you ever saw in your life so i hate to say this i do have a worse concert but it's not a worse performer and i've seen them in other places and it's been fine but it is a blues traveler concert um which was at a balloon fest in new jersey so we had gone for the balloon fest thing it's like all these huge hot air balloons you get to go up in one and then it's like they all take off at the same time at sunset it's beautiful and then they have sort of this concert component to it and so blues traveler was headlining and you know we went over to see them and i've seen blues traveler plenty of times i've seen them play new york um new year's eve in chicago i've seen them probably i don't know at least 10 or 12 times over the years and um love john popper my husband plays a harmonica we're really big fans of him and and um his instrument but it was just really clear this was a sad show for them and you could kind of see it. Um, people were not paying attention. And um, and then when they got around to playing Runaround, you just saw like the whole crowd be like, oh, wait, I know this one. And you could just see their like shoulders like fall like, oh, God, this hit is like <laughs> the only thing any of these people want to hear. And we are so much bigger than this one song. And so it's only the worst because of that because I could just see that the performers that the band was just you know not thrilled to be there um so it's not a knock and blues traveler because I really do love them but it was a sad show so that's my worst that yeah and that's tough because it's not like a a blues traveler show where right. all the fans showed up it's like a a situation where people are showing up for other things and then they're like oh there's a band I don't really know you know like that that's hard for a band to to work through I'm yeah. sure you know, and like, yeah, everyone knows Runaround, but like how many times have those guys played Runaround? And I like, mean, literally, and, they, and you could see, you could see just the, just the, like, it just washed over them. Like, oh God, man. <sighs> so yeah. So it was, it was, you know, it was just sad. And um, yeah, again, no hit on Blue Child. I love them and I've seen them you know, play their shows and they're fantastic and really engaging and unique and wonderful, but this was not that. So that was my worst one. Yeah. Yeah, and a bunch of like legitimately really great musicians in that band. Obviously, John Popper, but the rest of that band is like so, so good. Talented. Um, and they're such a sound. They're such like a a, a distinct sound from a certain time um, that is kind of timeless. I think that they like mm-hmm. kind of fit in a lot of decades. And you know, I'm sure maybe there's a couple people in the crowd that day that are like, "This is the one time I got to see Blues Traveler." Blues Traveler, yep. That was the best. 
However, However, you had the context. You knew that it was. I did. I was like, this is not a Blues Traveler show at all. This is just like, oh, yeah. So that was my worst, which I guess, you know, is not that bad considering the amount of shows I've been to um, across genres and decades. Um, But that was definitely the one that I remember being like, oh, I I felt bad being there really was really why it was the worst for me. I'm not going to put that on Blues Traveler. I'm going to put that on the crowd and the balloons. Absolutely. It was definitely on the balloons, definitely on the crowd. Yeah. They weren't there for them. Yeah. (laughs) Incredible. Well, um, it's hard. Like you said, you've seen so many shows. It's so hard to pick the best one. So I like to do honorable mentions. Do you have... Any shows that you would be remiss if we wouldn't bring up? Yes, I have a few. And apologies yeah. for the the list being a little longer than you probably would like. So no, I, I want them all. I um I have to mention we saw Adele play World Cafe live in Philly, uh, June of two thousand eight. Wow. Nineteen had been released that January. Um, her Grammy announcement had just happened. And uh, it's a small venue and um, she just pretty much sang the whole album. And I don't know what else to say except for that voice on a stage with that small of a space was really transcendent and really a memory I cherish forever and ever. Um, Similarly, we saw Corinne Bailey Ray play World Cafe Live in 2006, and her album had been out, and I was absolutely obsessed with it. Like, it was sort of embarrassing. Like, I knew every single word, and it had only been out for like a month or something. And so I was right up front, and I was like mouthing the words to every song, and she literally looked at me at one point and goes you know every word. I'm like, I do. I really do know every word. So that was really amazing. Um, I also would mention Jill Scott. We saw her at the Theater of the Living Arts in Philadelphia um, just before her second album, Beautiful Human Words and Sounds Volume 2 came out and she debuted the whole album at that show for the first time. And so... There were so many songs. I think Golden had been released as a single, but the rest of the album hadn't been played anywhere. And so like Rasul, all these amazing songs off of that album, we got to hear for the first time with this amazing hometown crowd in Philly, which was just otherworldly. Um, Fantasia Barino, we saw in Chicago. And this was only special because somehow we got like these really close seats in the pit and um she sang directly to me i have a video of it because i did whip my phone out and i mean literally like into my camera it was really amazing just that connection with her she such an electrifying artist especially with her gospel background you know she really embodies a lot of her music and it's very um physical with her and so yeah that was really special um uh, my first time on the rail for Goose was at the Joy Theater last year. And so that was really special for me. Um, those shows were really great, generally speaking. But I re- night yeah. one, I, it was really, really cool. Um, Radio City Music Hall, Trey's sit-in. I'm only giving this honorable mention because right. we weren't supposed to go. Um, we were on mm. a plane heading to New York for my niece's graduation on the 25th. And the photo of Trey's gear got uploaded to Reddit or whatever. And my husband drew like looks at me and he's like, uh, I think Trey's sitting in with goose tonight. And I go, well, are there tickets? He's like, what are you talking about? I go, we are going to New York. 
like right now. So if there are tickets, like get some tickets. So he bought tickets. um, And it was like a movie. We're taxiing. It's spinning, spinning to buy the tickets. And right when we take off, it like says it bought it. And then we have no internet service. We land. And by the time we land, now the picture has blown up everywhere. You cannot get a seat at the show. We like land, book it to our Airbnb, throw our shit down and then run into the city to go to the show. So um, it was an amazing night, but also just, we didn't know that morning we were going to have that experience. And so to, it was like the full gamut of emotions from, you know, realization to like being at the show, just like, oh my goodness, can't believe it. Ran into RJ, uh, B, like literally in the lobby at the show. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, um, I don't know. I just ended up here. So it was great. And then the last thing I would mention, something really recent, um, this January, I was in New York City and got to see the worldwide debut of a piece called Songs in Flight, which um, featured uh, Rhiannon Giddens, um, who's an amazing bluegrass and Americana artist. She's fantastic. This was, I still like, even right now, I'm still digesting it, but Uh, Just to give some context for it, in 2019, Cornell University started a program called Freedom on the Move, which was a database of runaway ads from United States early newspapers. So it had like names, dates, descriptions, rewards. Um, And so these ads were placed by enslavers, kind of preserved snapshots of more than like 30,000 individual enslaved people who took their fate into their own hands. And... This Songs in Flight kind of uses these ads as a jumping off point to create song, poem, movement, and memory um, to give some humanity to these individuals. Because, um, you know, the ads themselves were oddly in... Placing an ad like this, you actually had to acknowledge the individual humanity of the person you were placing the ad about because you had to describe them. Um, They often would talk about their skills. They'd be like, oh, really, you know, really great sewer or um, experienced blacksmith or so it was like this very strange thing of like in... Um, attempting to recapture them, you had to acknowledge the uniqueness of these individuals at the same time. And so the piece takes off from there. And I still am, it's still tumbling around in my head. And it was the worldwide debut. It was the first time it had been performed. And it was Mm -hmm. at the Met in New York City. It was just really, really special. And um, so that sticks out for me as a recent memory as well. Yeah, and what a special venue to go get to see something like that at too. Um, I mean, you're you're watching this, you know, this piece of um, it, theater and, and and music that is like going to be moving. You could go see that in a park, and that's yes. going to be moving. But you're sitting in the Met, you know, yep. like watching like, these incredible oh. stories. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. fantastic. And Rhiannon's so amazing. Karen Slack was a soprano. Reginald Mobley was a countertenor. Will Liverman baritone and Howard Watkins played piano and it was really moving. They had some multimedia pieces into it and it just was really something special. Um, and yeah, it was really great. Do you, do you know how long that's running for this? this Um, It it ran, it, it was, um, it was just the one worldwide debut. And so it was sort of, it's been in process. And so this was the first time they, performed it. And so what I understood is that they're going to be continuing to develop it and bring it to other cities and eventually. Um, So yeah, it was really something really special. Um, 
and uh, Rhiannon was kind of the curator of the the larger piece of it. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm still, like I said, I'm almost speechless. I don't know really how to describe it. Yeah, it was one of those shows that I just was flat on my heels for. Just amazing. And we saw Rhiannon play with the Charlotte Philharmonic earlier this year, which. I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, she performed an aria. She performed a uh, funeral dirge. She performed an Irish shout um, dance in Gaelic. She performed bluegrass and country and blues. And it was really something special, all barefoot with her banjo. So, yeah, if, if oh you God. can see Rhiannon and Giddens, anytime you, she is near you, go and see, go and see, go and see, go and see. Cannot say enough about it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'll I'll hop on that too. Unbelievable. Also, it's it's got to be cool to see the the opening night of something. I mean, not that any not that any piece will ever like lose its luster, especially yeah. that piece or any of the pieces within it. But it's like so much emotion of just being the the opening night, and then you're conveying these stories for the first time. You know, like oh man, yeah, that had to be a special experience. Is that um, is that also something that you were up close for? I was in the front row for that as well. No, I was in the front row for that as well. And it was very um, emotional. And yeah, like you said, you know, these folks have been working on this for quite some time. So, you know, their families were there and their loved ones were there and um, their professors were there and people that had, you know, helped them along in this journey, all of them. And so it was really, really special. There was like a little reception afterwards where everyone got to kind of mingle. And of course, ran into like two friends of mine that just happened to also be there which was great um but yeah it was very special because it was that first time of them kind of you know letting the world see this thing that they had been putting together um and Rihanna mentioned they had been working on it like from different continents at different times you know depending on where each of them was so it was you know really beautiful to see them all together and getting to perform it it was really great well now it looks like we're going to have to step into your best show ever, which I Let's know go. a little bit of what that, so we're going to be stepping into from like incredible opening night piece of, uh, of uh, beautiful theater at the Met into, is yeah. it going to be fish? Of course it's going to be fish. I mean, yes. you know, <laughs> you, you, as soon as you contacted me, I was like talking to my husband and he was like, I, there isn't really a, an argument is there i'm like no there's no argument it is absolutely big cypress uh the millennium oh my show God. yeah <laughs> uh for sure <laughs> there will be never anything that will ever be a better show than that show and so um yeah i um count myself in the lucky number that got to uh take the trip all the way down to alligator alley and uh ring in um the new century with the boys it was fantastic amazing um, unbelievable experience. So where, where were you at with your fish fandom at that point? Like when you were getting the tickets for Big Cypress, like how deep in it were you, all that stuff? I was not super deep. My husband has been a huge fish fan for longer than I, so I kind of was ushered into my fish fandom yeah. through him. And so he had been to like Lemma Wheel, Great Wench, and I want to say one other of their festivals before Big Cypress. And so once we started dating, I started going to shows with him. So I'd been to, we lived in Chicago at the time. We had just moved in together around then. And so um, 
we had gone to see a bunch of shows at Alpine Valley, a bunch of shows at Rosemont, a bunch of shows at Deer Creek. Um, we went to Michigan at a time. He went to uh, college there. So we went to Michigan to see a lot of shows there. And so I had seen quite a bit of fish up until that point, but I wasn't, you know, I wouldn't call myself a fish head at that point. I wasn't, um, I was just getting to the point where I knew songs I really wanted to hear, I would say. So it was a good time for me to go because I had some anticipation finally, like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this or that. But it was my first fish festival. So that was really unique. And I had been to other music festivals. I'd gone to like Lollapalooza and like, um, yeah. Uh, a few others in the nineties, but this was definitely something else. And um, I didn't know what to expect. And honestly, none of us did because it was even unique from the fish festivals that had come before it. So yeah, it was really special. Mm -hmm. And you took that, you took that trip down from Chicago. Did you get there early or was there like a, were you stuck in that traffic that everyone always talks about? Yeah. So our story was a little bit different. We did have some traffic, but we weren't in that long traffic jam. We, we're broke um, at the time as, you know, one is at that age in life. And so I remember we had to wait till like midnight to leave because we needed our um, direct deposit to hit our bank accounts before we could take <laughs> off. We needed to get some money out before we left on the trip. So we yeah. sort of like waited till I think I got I was working in restaurants at the time. So I think I got off work at like 1130. Everything was packed. We like got everything in the car, like literally went to the bank took the money out and hit the road, drove to Florida all overnight. And we met up with some friends that we were going to Big Cypress with that we did almost all of our fish festivals with. Yeah, the same crew. Um, and so we met up the day before um, in Florida. One of our friends, like his grandparents had like some sort of like trailer park situation in Florida. So we just nice. kind of met up there and then got up early the next day and headed um, into the middle of Florida to Alligator Alley. And so it said three hours and it took us about eight hours to get into oh um, the God. venue, which we thought was bad. But then when we got in and we saw where our campsite was, we realized that we really were among the first, you know, groups of people that got into the venue. And so we just ran around looking at everything. One of the things that sticks out, which is really funny, shout out to our friend Todd, was that all the porta potties were brand new at Big Cypress. So like when you went into them at that point, like the, you know, the like drill they do to like put the casing in, you can still see the plastic shavings. Like it was uh, virgin wow. porta potties for the entire venue, yeah. uh, the entire place. Untouched. Untouched, untouched. And so we were <laughs> kind of amazed at that just all over the place. And then as it got darker, we started seeing really realizing how bad the traffic was because at some point all you could see was just headlights. I mean, farther than you should be able to see, just headlights, headlights, headlights. And this was, you know, very late in the evening by that point. And we were just like, oh, we locked out. We, we thought we were, you know, wow. in it and we weren't in it at all. Eight hours was nothing compared to people we knew were in it for 24 hours. And I was feeling bad for the locals because they were just kind of like running out of gas on the side of the road going on a trip that usually takes them 22 minutes and like, who the hell are all these people? What are they doing here? Uh, so they were just kind of pulled on the side of the road, like waiting for people to bring them gas and things like that. So that was, um, that was our entry. Yeah. Our entrance to, uh, to big Cypress. So it was not as bad as other people's and we had lots of time to set up camp and get our bearings and, you know, feel comfortable in the space, which was easy to, 
to do. I mean, they built a mini city for Big Cypress. I don't think people quite understand it. And I should, you know, just to plug uh, After Midnight, um, the Osiris show about Big Cypress, everyone should definitely go listen to it because it really details a lot about the back end of things and the experience. But for me, um, I had never experienced a true temporal autonomous zone before Big Cypress, a place where people were really trying to live out a different way of being with each other in reality. And it was so evident as soon as we got onto the property that this was going to be a really transformational experience for me. And it, it definitely lived up to that. Man. And, and yes, uh, that, that's such a great podcast. You have to check out after midnight. Um, it, but speak a little bit to that city. Cause I think even through like pictures and through that podcast and through people's stories, it is kind of hard to capture like what that city was. Um, yeah. I mean, it, what, what I was mean, everything? Yeah. So, you know, the, where everyone was uh, car camping, they had street signs. So you knew you were at like 19th and such and such was where you were, uh, where you were. So off just that alone, we were kind of amazed at this, how how well thought out it was. And then it had yeah. sort of this downtown feel area where there were like little stores set up and there was like a general store in there and um, main places for you to do things. And then um, there were all these other installations kind of set up in the woods. There was like a drum circle and there were like lights that were out in there. And there was like a Ferris wheel and um, sort of a, a, a game section. And then and of course, there was the actual um, venue itself where the, the big wow. grass where they were going to be playing each day. And so, yeah, all of that was just, you know, we, we um, just, like I said, that first day just wandered around um, and take, yeah. took a look at everything. Um, and it was just overwhelming to me just thinking about how much planning and how much time they would have had to spend to execute all of this. Um, yeah. It was, yeah, it mean, was it, just really something. Yeah. It goes to show, I mean, obviously there's been some uh, debacles and snafus recently, but it goes to show, I mean, it, it if they're going to do a festival, they put, they put so much of themselves into it and they have in the past that, um, and they, they think through every little aspect of, of what could be uh, experienced at their, their festivals. So it makes it hard for them to do it again um, because they Absolutely. did it so well. They did it the so well in the nineties. And also this was, you know, I, I had mentioned earlier, just like it, it was just, it's, it was special for many reasons, but also this like idea of going into a new century was so big. Like, I don't think folks yeah. that did it that, that weren't around then didn't quite realize just how, all-encompassing Y2K was. I mean, it was like all anybody would talk about, just like being able to be alive during this century mark and all of these different things. And then there was the secondary kind of like scare mongering that was going on, you know, planes were going to fall out of the sky and all the, you know, bad things were going to happen. And so we all were just kind of like, well, if things really go to shit, I think I'd rather be at a fish show with 80,000 people um, <laughs> in the middle of Florida than wherever else we might have been thinking about being. And so uh, a lot of us were just kind of like, yeah, we're just going to do it just because 
when else are we going to get to do it? It's a unique thing. And I do believe it was the largest gathering concert um, on uh, the millennium because um, the news cut in. Peter Jennings famously called it the fish, which was really funny. And uh, I know we're going to get to funny things that happened because some of it was was uh, engineered by Trey in particular uh, that made me laugh quite a lot on that night. Um, but yeah, it was really amazing. And we had uh, eight, eight group of eight of us that came, we had four cars and we had a really nice, great big section to camp in and just had a really wonderful time. There were giant cypress trees all over the property. So we would just pull our chairs under one and hang out and talk and listen to music. And um, yeah, it was just really fun. Just really fun times. I believe you. I believe that it was fun. <laughs> I fully believe you. Yeah, and there was a lot of funny stuff that happened. To, uh, where where were you at when when you got to scream cheesecake back at Peter Jennings? Yeah, we were. I don't even remember exactly where we were sitting because honestly, the lawn was so big. It was eighty thousand of us, so it was just kind of like Crazy. I remember this like kind of jubilant, a uh, jubilant like energy heading in especially in between the first set and and the show as they referred to it um at the time yeah. that started at 12 30 at 11 35 and i mean we had <laughs> we had these giant blow up hammers that we had gotten they were like plastic and we had written high 2k on the side of them and we had like i don't know 30 of them or something and we were like handing them out to people and so we were seeing those go all over the place and um we had like bottles of champagne we were bringing in and like the security was like high-fiving everybody as we were going in I mean it was just this like wild sense of just like we didn't know what was going to happen and also that they were undertaking this huge you know monumental um musical feat of playing from 1130 through sunrise that next day. And so, you know, we just were kind of hunkered in and like ready to just withstand, you know, and see what they were going to deliver to us. And we knew it was going to be spectacular. We knew it was going to be special, but I, I wasn't prepared for just how, um, impressed I would be by the end of it and just how special um, sharing that time was. I mean, we didn't have cell phones. We, I mean, honestly, I just, I, I have so few photos even from the experience because I think we might've had like a couple of like disposable cameras and like, that was it. Right. I mean, it really was just whatever our experiences were just in our hearts and in our minds. And whenever the eight folks that I went with, whenever we get together, like inevitably there'll be a conversation that turns to big Cyprus for all of us to just tell the stories again and relive it together and talk about it. We'll put it on sometimes even when we hang out. So yeah, it's just very, very uh, forefront of my mind. But yeah, I remember that. I remember um, the funny parts were definitely the cheesecake bit. What cracked me up the most was that Trey was trying, he had like six ideas that he wanted us to do. And so he was like, honestly, just like in the moment, like, let's try it this way. Okay. No, I don't like it. Let's do this thing. Okay. No, no, just do it one time, but be angry. I mean, it was, it was just like all, yeah. you could just see him just like in the moment wanting to do something and trying to figure out what was going to play best um, um, on the news and, and make people kind of be like, what the hell are these people doing? Uh, which I think at 90s fish was pretty much that was their vibe all the time was to keep people guessing and to um constantly have people like what what are they doing 
which if I think about it is kind of where Goose is right about now. Um, Similar energy, similar approach to all the things that they've been doing. It's kind of like, what are they doing now? You know? Um, And so that, that special time in a band's, um, you know, history or their catalog or their body of work is always very special when they're in that super experimental time and willing to do all sorts of things so that was really cool um the meat stick gag that they brought back was really spectacular and actually worked and nobody got stuck so that was very nice to see um and fun and funny we all were just like cracking up and just like really laughing about it and um yeah i mean i have a few favorite moments that stick out them playing after midnight before at the end of the first set was really special one it was first time they had played it and then like it was kind of hitting us like shit after midnight it's gonna be on like oh my gosh you know just like them setting us up for you know this triumphant um Mm. you know show that we were gonna see later on um and so yeah, 11, we, I think we rolled over probably like 11, 15-ish to, you know, get a little space and put blankets down and hang out. And uh, when they started playing, I mean, it was just magical. I, you know, they played All Lang Syne and then the fireworks started and then they did Downward Disease through the fireworks. And that was oh. just like mind-blowing. Um and then they played, I think, almost every, all of my favorite songs. I mean, they had a long time to play, so they they yeah. went deep in the catalog. But, like, I'm a huge David Bowie fan. I love Piper, Llama, um, Heavy Things, Yam, of course. One of my all-time favorite 2001s was that Big Cypress. I listen to it yes. all the time. That is yes. my number one favorite Fish song. So, um, oh. you know, it's cover. I, I, I just am always yearning for it. And so um, that was really special. And then and of course, um, a monster of a cross-eyed and painless during that set too. Yeah. So those are my highlights that stick out still to this day. Like I just remember them very, very um, viscerally when I think about them. They were, oh, it was just amazing. I can't say enough about it and feel really, really lucky to have those memories and to have experienced it. It's, it, it can never happen again. I mean, you couldn't get 80,000 people <laughs> in the middle of nowhere to do something like that no. again. I mean, just liability changes alone make things like that so, so <laughs> hard to pull off. I mean, yeah. And it was just great. It was fantastic. And there's something that makes it special that it's, it's kind of um, just documented enough. Like yeah. you can you can get the Polaroids that people have, or you can like listen to like people's stories about it, or there is like one video of the whole, like the show. Um, But like, you can't really get a full in-depth experience of what Big Cypress was because we didn't have cell phones because there wasn't a thousand people taking a billion videos and Twitter. And if you did it now, it would be so captured, you know, it'd be like unbelievably captured by everybody. Everyone every angle, every, yeah, you could piece <laughs> together every second of everything. Um, yeah. and yeah, I mean, there'd probably be satellites taking pictures and, you know, all yeah. sorts of, all sorts of things would probably be, you know, utilized now. And so, yeah, it's, it's a very, um, yeah, just a specific time capsule moment that, uh, really, you know, me and 80,000 of my favorite friends got to experience together and it was fantastic. That, um, while you're in the show, are you like, are, are you cognizant of what time it is? Are you, are you checking like, you know, how close we are to midnight, how far we are until 
I well, they had the like Father Time um, gag, so they had like a Father Time on a bike, like bicycling, and so we could see the countdown part happening, and so we knew when we were getting close to midnight. And as I mentioned, the aforementioned bottles of champagne were kind of everybody had bottles of champagne, and so um, that was really fun. And then we had to do the Peter Jennings thing because they had that planned at a very specific time because it was going to be live. And so that part happened. But then once the, once we got rid of the TV um, camera audience, like we just, they just went, went into it. And I, I honestly don't think I like necessarily looked up at any point. I just was really enjoying the show. I'm trying to think, I think, I remember after they did Piper, I think they went into free and that might've been the first time I was like, wait, what time, what time is it? What are we even doing? What are we doing now? Yes. I feel like that was the, but that was so deep into the set. I mean, they played so much at that point. It was the first time I like let myself come kind of out of that headspace. And then also I took turns like, Sometimes I would be laying on my back and kind of looking at the stars during some of the songs. Some of them I was up and jumping and, you know, crazy with. Some I was just kind of like zenned out to. So I just allowed myself to whatever I was feeling like doing at any moment, just doing that. And everybody was doing that. You could see people enjoying themselves in all different kinds of ways. And it was, yeah, it was really beautiful. And we all had space. It wasn't crowded. And yeah, I can't say enough about the setup. I think that was the thing that really stuck out for me afterwards, thinking back of like how many ways it could have gone left if they hadn't given enough space to X, Y, or Z. Things could have been much more difficult and they just were easy. It was just a really easy um, experience to have. They really made it seamless and easy to find things and easy to access the things you needed and all of that stuff. So huge kudos. And, you know, I went, I went to it after this. Yeah. Um, very different experience. I mean, I loved it, but very different experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, should time travel ever be a thing? That's exactly the place I'm going to go back to is big Cyrus. So I'll look for you. I'll look try to grab me, a yes. camera from it. Yeah. I'm going to come and try to find you. Um, but yeah, I mean, what an experience that must have been to have. Um, and it's it sounds like you're still having great experiences with fish, even to this day. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, um, but that that's that's the peak right there, and people let it you is. know about it. So they de- yeah, it definitely reason. is. I I it was funny. I think I was talking with RJ at at the Ryman, and we were talking about something, and Big Cypress came up, and he was like, "You were at Big Cypress," and I go, "You weren't." Like I, my face was just like. <laughs> I just look at when you're a certain age and you didn't go, I just look at you like askance. Like what the yeah. hell were you thinking were about you? exactly? What was more important? That's how I, that's how I view it. Like I really like, yeah. it's bad. It's such what? a judgment on my part. I probably should stop, but I do have that like feeling of like, what was going through? Was there a party you went to that you thought was better yeah. than this one? Like, come on, let's be real. What, um, what shitty what shitty college house party were you at? Were you at that exactly? Was, <laughs> that that yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is funny. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Um, I, I was hoping and praying that we were going to get a big Cypress story at some point in this podcast. And you <laughs> absolutely delivered. Absolutely delivered. Thank you so much, Leslie. Um, do you uh, do you have stuff that you'd like to plug? Um, yeah, sure. like to... definitely. Everybody should definitely check out Goose Chicks podcast. We have shows every right. Wednesday. Um, our next drop is a mini episode for our Gonna Turn It Up series where I got to sit down with Canadian indie pop group Peach Pit at Levitate Music cool. Festival and talk with them about their music and their new album. Um, follow us on socials. You can go to Juice Goose Chicks Pod wherever you are at and find us. And a couple other shows I uh, call out is our conversation with Goose photographer Adam Berta. Great episode. We also talked to Ben's mom June Atkin for Mental Health Awareness Month. She's a therapist and she's freaking cool. brilliant. So definitely check that one out. We also have a really great show called geese and their goslings where we talk about bringing um kids and families to live shows so definitely check that out best practices i learned a lot from that show myself and um yeah and then follow us on all of the social media platforms um what do i have coming up i got a lot of music coming up i'll be honest i just finished um putting my fall winter uh tour planner together so i'm going to see uh my 50th goose show in detroit uh for fall tour so i'm excited for that uh we are going to be heading over to do the uk leg of the goose europe tours and goosemas so that's uh, the totality of my goose besides red rocks um i'm going to see rihanna and giddens again she's playing here in greensboro north carolina so i'm heading up there to do that we're going to see Dogs in a Pile. We're seeing Eggy. We're seeing Janelle Monet. We're seeing O'Teal oh, and Friends. We're seeing yes. Kitchen Dwellers. Shaky Graves is coming to town. So we're going to go see him and his bands. Um, so lots of good stuff coming up. I really um, pretty much muse live music is my main source of recreational activity. So it takes up a lot of my time, talent and treasure. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, I'm excited. I think I have like 10 more goose shows in me this year and uh, like 12 shows outside of them. So excited for the rest was, of the year in music. I was going to, I was going to say, Leslie, you, you really got to get out and see some shows. It's <laughs> like, it's time what for am you I to doing? go experience I got to actually this. go experience some things, really get out there with the people. Um, yeah, I'm excited uh, to see all of the stuff. And hopefully we'll get a Goose album or two this year or soon or something. I don't know. They've been hinting at stuff. My fingers are crossed. Um, I'm excited to hear some studio stuff from them because um, Drip Fill was such an amazing album. And I know yeah. they've they've just only gotten better since they recorded that one. So I'm excited for whatever comes next with them as well. Hey, same big, same over here. I'm, yes. I'm super excited to see what they, what they do with this next album, but Leslie, thank you so much for coming on. Um, appreciate you so much for doing the show. Um, and you know, if, if one day for some reason you get big Cypress topped, we're going to have to have you come on and talk about that show. That's I will. We'll see if it gets topped. I, I, I would be surprised, but I'm also open to it. So if it happens, you'll be my first call cam for sure. Hell yeah. I love to hear it. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. That was the best show ever. That was the best show ever. That was the best show, the best show ever. That was the best show. Man, there was fucked up stuff in there. Yeah, what the fuck was that about?
Okay, so that was a little bit of music from Jesus and Fartfinger, but also just an incredible conversation with Leslie Mack about, man, Big Cypress. I had no idea she was going to bring up Big Cypress. And uh, I mean, what a cool conversation about that show um, and that festival. Um, loved having her on. I doubt that anything's ever going to top that show, but I would love to have Leslie Mack back. I would love to have Leslie Mack back. You know what I mean? Um, if you like that conversation, we have got a bunch of other cool conversations coming out. We have got um, other episodes that have come out already on the Osiris Network. Um, check them out. Look them up. Listen to them. They're a lot of fun. Um, keep your ears peeled uh, for more episodes coming up. But until next time, guys, have a good show. Hi, this is Henry K host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.